0: Hello, and welcome to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa, and the podcast is in partnership with PR Daily, which is the preeminent brand for public relations professionals delivering news, advice, opinions, and benchmarking via prdaily.com. Join me there to find more episodes for the podcast. And if you like the podcast, please do leave a review and share it with your colleagues so that more folks can find it online. Thanks so much. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Today, I am joined by Tara Palmieri, who is partner and senior political correspondent at Puck News, which is another new publication on the block. Tara, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Lisa. Super happy to be on.
0: So I... uh, first off, long before we even had a chance to get on the phone, I am just, I'm loving all this coverage that you are. I mean, you, it's as if you're anticipating what everybody wants to see and writing about it rather than reporting on the same old news that everybody's talking about. And so you can't know as a consumer of news, how much I appreciate that so, so much. Tell me though, uh, you're a really busy girl. I mean, you're everywhere. You're all over. You've got so your credentials, you're uh, Politico and ABC news alum, your, uh, two podcasts potentially that you've hosted either in the past or maybe are still hosting. You just finished up a documentary. Tara, how in the world did you get started with this amazing career?
1: Oh, thank you. Um, you know, it's funny. I definitely always felt like I wanted to be a journalist. I just didn't really know any journalists. Um, growing up, Mm -hmm. I used to, you know, journal myself as a kid, spy on people, uh, pretend I was reporting live from the war with my karaoke machine and my, and my, uh, you know, I love it. Uh, and my, yeah, and my camera and my microphone, anything I had that kind of seemed like the kind of skills you would use. And I remember a, a teacher in, um, high school, it was a guidance counselor. I was like, listen, I have to go to college. I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And the teacher said, why don't you think about journalism? And I was like, sorry the guest the guidance counselor said why don't you think about journalism and I I was like that's an interesting idea I didn't really know any journalists I didn't you know obviously we got the the newspaper it was the mm-hmm. god why am I blanking on it right now the star ledger uh-huh, we get sure. the star ledger every yeah, Sunday and um you know we watched the today show in the morning and the evening news you know eyewitness news on ABC and uh-huh. so I like I definitely like experienced them, but I just didn't know what it would like, to, it would like to be a journalist. And it seemed like a really glamorous job and probably not something that I could do. Right. Uh, I just never thought well, you're in the that New York- I would ever have a job like that. You're watching, <laughs> watching
0: the New York news market too, which is like the most, it is the most competitive market in the entire country. So, I mean, I, I, having grown up in the shadows of that same market, to me, it was like yeah. unattainable. So the fact that you actually went and sort of got yourself going on that is impressive enough.
1: Yeah. So I, I definitely never um, thought that I could somehow be a TV reporter or, <laughs> um, you know, be a writer for a major newspaper or, you know, any of the things that I've done just because I didn't know anyone else who had done it before. So to me, it was the same thing as trying to be an actor. And I sort of doubted my ability to do it. Even in college, I studied uh, communications rather than going like into journalism journalism directly. I I really teetered on the idea of maybe doing more marketing and PR or Mm -hmm. I I had an internship and I just, just wasn't right for me. I still really liked journalism. I was writing for the school newspaper, um, school TV show. And I just, I just wanted to give it a try. Right. And I was lucky enough to get an internship at Voice of America. It's kind of like, The, I guess it would be the propaganda arm of our government, but like Mm. they do wires all all over the country. And I was given an opportunity to be an intern there and I got to make a TV package and just get the experience of working in a newsroom. It's a slow pace because it's government. So it's probably a good place to learn. And then from there, I was recommended by someone to be an assistant at CNN. And that's just like, you know, you make, you're kind of like a freelance assistant. You just run around as a production assistant, a runner sure. really doing odd things for everyone. And um, that was my first real experience in journalism. And that was my job. I graduated early from college and I started working there as a news assistant at CNN in DC. Mm-hmm. And I just sort of like hit the ground running. And I remembered that it was a freelance job and we were in, it was 2008, 2009, and just weren't a lot of jobs. And so I started talking to the guests that were coming on. They were editors at newspapers and um, I said, you know, I am um, looking for a job, and mm-hmm. I'm happy to freelance at right. any of your newspapers. Or, and I got a call uh, from the Washington Examiner, and they were. It was a uh, Chris Dyerwalt who ended up going on to Fox. Um, he was famously fired for calling Arizona. He was guest um, number. He
0: was guest number two for the podcast.
1: <laughs> Chris oh, is yeah, an old old buddy. So, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fabulous, but he actually hired me uh, we met in the green room and uh-huh. he called me I was 21 or 22 and he was like do you want to write this column called Yays and it's mm-hmm. like it's easy you just go to parties and you interview like celebrities and people like that and it's like a kind of like a gossip column or whatever and I was like yes absolutely but then I when I got the job I was like I'm going to elevate this to be like everything you know this awesome. is going to be my you know I'm going to just work this you're going to own it I'm yeah. going to try to break yeah I'm going to try to break story I'm not going to just do you know, interviews with celebrities. I want to like really have consequence and, you know, do really big stuff. And I did, I worked really hard. I was lucky to have some mentors and people who are much more senior reporters, like kind of guide me because it's scary when you don't really know what you're doing.
0: That's a great place. Um, when you were there, there were so many stars there too. There's so many people you could learn from.
1: Totally. Julie Mason is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill Myers and Chris Sauerwald, just all these really great reporters. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I ended up like breaking some big stories. And I was hired by the New York Post page six, which is like the ultimate gossip column. Mm -hmm. And I was 22 or 23, I think 22 when I got hired at the New York Post. And I moved to New York and packed my bags up in my car and just like, did it. And it was kind of a crazy launch. And then so I sort of ended up in like more celebrity gossip, but I always tried to do political stories because I really did always love politics. There was a reason I went to school in D.C. There was a reason I worked in D.C. I went right. to American University. There was a reason why I was gravitated towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, I always just found like the personal lives of really powerful people, not personalized, but they're like the things that they do, how they're motivated, the power, the yeah. all of it. Very mm-hmm. interesting. The sure. influence. So interesting. And I just I liked the New York Post because it was a bit, you know. Um, it was irreverent mm-hmm. and I was, I'm a little irreverent. Right. And it's also <laughs> shit kicking, which I'm also, I like to think, yeah. um, and I like it, take no prisoners. And I, <laughs> yeah, I was definitely more like that when I was younger, the take no prisoners vibe. Um, right. I'm starting to chill out, I think a little bit in my older age. Um, but you know, I still just liked, You're just I felt finesse like maybe just a little bit,
0: <laughs> a little bit more finesse. Yeah, now. exactly.
1: <laughs> Totally. Exactly. You get, you get a little older, so you don't get your heart doesn't race every time you get into an argument with somebody. Um, and I just think that I I believe what they said at the post that news doesn't have to be new. doesn't have to be boring to be news. It didn't (laughs) have to be medicinal. And I still think that. Mm -hmm. And, um, My career has taken me all over the world. Like, I went to Brussels. I moved to to, um, Belgium from the New York Post after I left Page Six after about a year and a half. So funny, everyone associates my career with that, but I was really only there for, I mean, maybe two years maximum. Yeah. And then I moved on to the city desk. I covered education. I covered crime. Awesome. Covered national stories, and I also covered politics. And then Mm -hmm. I moved on um, to Belgium for Politico, um, and I worked in Brussels. Yeah, Yeah. Politico Europe, and so I had this like amazing experience but that's kind of a boring topic covering the EU but again like I tried to make it interesting I even had a column there and uh got a lot of traction and just I've always thought like you've got to write in a way that it's going to get it, that it's going to interest people you got to tell stories in an interesting way yeah and um no matter what it is so that's always been my kind of that's been my uh, struggle, but also my goal every day. Well,
0: I think, I think that that's really, I mean, that's admirable too because I think a lot of journalists go into it with that hope uh, and then sometimes find themselves in a track that doesn't necessarily allow for that. But it feels as if your career has really led you that way. Even when you were writing the playbook, you're Mm. you're telling stories, right? You're telling stories about what people need to care about for the day, like what's happening, why it matters, why it's affecting what's going to happen in Washington. Um, So super appreciated. But now you're at Puck, and I want to know more about this. I mean, you guys are breaking news every day. I, I literally, I have to read it because it's so interesting. Um, I feel like you go into the contours of a story kind of differently. Um, and I love that so much. But the model for the business is a little bit different too. Will you talk to me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so um, it is, it is different. It's just to start with the model. We're partners, um, all the writers, so right. we all have, you know, equity stake in the company. Yeah. Uh, we are incentivized to sell subscriptions, to get subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, we care about the bottom line of our company. It's very small. There's probably only 10 writers, I think. Um, and we don't have a lot of, you know, staff either in terms of like sales or uh, PR and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, a lot of organizations have that. We're pretty, we're pretty small and we're pretty light which makes it good in the sense that it's nimble. There's not a lot of bureaucracy to sure. try new things all the time, but it also means that you're kind of taking on a lot of the work um, that you wouldn't normally have to do in a big organization. Right. Sure, sure. Um, so it's, it's hard. Yeah, for sure. Like there's no researcher, there's no fact checker, there's no <laughs> producer, you know, I've got to do all of it. Yeah. So even just like, uh, copy editing. I mean, there is somebody now that we have copy editing, but at first we really didn't have that. And then people would be like, you got this wrong, you got that wrong. I'm like, oh my God, I can't get the spellings. Like it was just so much work. And again, most of my pieces are about 3000 words and twice a week. So it's a lot and it's deeply reported. Definitely. Um, and it's, you know, like everybody gets caught, call- like every, everything is reported out so many phone calls, everything. Um, but yeah, it's told in a different style. Like, it's definitely much more conversational. Mm-hmm. and I think. The thing that I try to tap into is like, what's the conversation when I go to have a drink with somebody or a coffee or, you know, anywhere in D.C. or just a phone call? What What is the thing that everybody is talking about? Yes. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. What's kind of like, what's the anxiety that's kind of percolating in town? What's the, um, what's the, the question mark? Like, the, I don't think my stories necessarily have an answer, all of them. I think a lot of them pose reporting, they pose, you know, information, but they also leave a lot of questions because it's all sort of happening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of Washington is like the unknown, right. Yeah. And the speculating and um, about what's going to happen next. And I'm not afraid to go into that area, into that, that place, that speculation place. Of course I make it clear. That's what it is. But I think, um, you know, a lot of reporting, it's like, it's a little too meat and potatoes. And I have to do that. And that's what you're expected to do in a traditional news outlet. But like, this is a newsletter, it's almost like a reported column, Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to sort of say, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm seeing. Yeah. And it doesn't have to all fit in that, you know, AP style format, right? And so I think people like that. And I think it adds a, a le- level of credibility too. Like you're hearing it from me. I'm going to tell you what's going on. Right. You can email me back and you can ask more questions or you can have, you know, so it's, uh, it's very much like branded content from me. Yeah. Um, no. Direct to my.
0: Terrific. Yeah, it's terrific. It's, they're doing a great calls. job. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, I feel Thanks. like. um it is often when you're on the PR side of things that you get stories and, and columns and items sent to you, but it is like, it is every couple of days. It's like another Tara Palmieri special, something else that's coming through. It's about, you know, whether it's about Rick, whether it's about Rick Scott or it's about Vern Buchanan or it's an, it's like. To me, I, you captured it exactly right. It's, it's you know, everybody's talking about the same things around town. No question. Uh, you know, McCarthy, right. what's going to happen with the speakership? But there was more of a layer, to me, in your coverage um, that I'm seeing that is more about, like, what are people buzzing about behind the scenes in addition to that? Like, sure, Washington, you know, national news, everybody's talking about one thing. But what are people that cover this every day. They care about this every day. What are they unpacking at the end of the day over a beer? Like what's, what happened there? Right. And I love it. Um, I think you're doing a totally. great job and you're, it's totally getting noticed. It's not just by me. Um, and it's super appreciated. Oh, thank you. And, and you guys, so it's amazing that you said that you're so lean because you're all punching way above your weight. Like everything all day are these Long, thoughtful pieces about, um, but not long in a way that like I have to only read a couple paragraphs before I move along. Like this is some really terrific journalism. I'm really super impressed with what you guys have done in just a short period of time.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I. I, It's funny. It's stretched me as well. I mean, I, I've done a lot of different things in my career, but this has definitely moved me into a new direction, and it feels like the right one. But it is. It's been a stretch. It's not something. I wasn't writing 3,000 word pieces all the time. And it's not, this is the thing, it's not really 3,000 word pieces. What I'm doing twice a week is writing multiple stories to people. Some of them are items. Some of them are full on reported pieces, you know, 1,000, 1,500 words. Some of them are just like a few lines. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because sometimes the little items that maybe like the Vern Buchanan story, we almost didn't even put that in, in a link and storify it. And I said to my boss, I was like, maybe we should just make it into a story and put it out. Like we put it in our newsletter for our readers, but we didn't put it on the internet otherwise. And um, I was like, let's just do it. And so that story ended up getting so much um, so much bandwidth. It was shared everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, um, and it's just like, it's only it was only maybe like 300 words, 400 word story. I mean, it was reported out. Everybody was called, everything was accurate. But right. it's just kind of funny how like sometimes those little stories they kind of give you a real inkling of like what's 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 the anxiety what's going on on the hill and i think in that case it was you know verne buchanan cursing out kevin mccarthy and the threat that he might retire what does that mean for kevin mccarthy's majority i mean if he loses santos and he loses Vern Buchanan. He might be down to just two people right. having to get a majority vote. Right. It's just like the numbers are dwindling. I mean, it's, hard it's a not razor's to edge. Every little Absolutely. episode. Yeah, Absolutely. every episode is, is, is bigger mm-hmm. in this. In, and that's the bigger story, I guess, about Washington is that every little episode is a threat to his leadership.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's. I mean, anyway, it's great. And I'm super proud of what the what you guys are doing. Keep up the great work we're here to promote it at my little podcast because I think it's dynamite. And I have to tell you the buzz around, you know, like on the PR side is that it's just terrific work. So great and, and super appreciated. I want to know though. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you're doing all this great reporting. You just finished this documentary that also is like tremendous work. Will you tell me a little bit more about it's Dr. Delirium and Edgewood experiments.
1: Yeah. Is thanks right? so much. Um, tell it's me a little a discovery, bit. Yep. It's a Dr. Delirium and the Edgewood experiments. It's a, it's actually a story uh, close to home in DC. It's about these experiments that were taking place at the Edgewood Arsenal, which is probably like 30 miles from Washington. Mm. Uh, it was a military base in uh, the 1960s and 70s. Well, between 1950 and 1970, actually, um, they were testing psychedelics and other types of mind control drugs on young servicemen, not telling them why. It was kind of a, mm. it was a, It was a program with the Department of Defense and the CIA around the same time as the famous MK Ultra program. Mm -hmm. And they were trying to see if they could use psychedelics as weapons of war. And what they did in the process was they used these types of drugs that even people on the street wouldn't want to use. They're just so horrific, and the types of psychological scars and nightmares that were um, perpetuated. I mean, they literally used these young servicemen, as human guinea pigs, and then sent them out into the world. Oh All of gosh. these scars and nightmares. Mm. Now they are older men in their 70s, and they're like, we need VA benefits. We need to talk to someone. A lot of them have gone on to do – like a lot of them have had a lot of problems. There have been yeah, suicides. Bet. There have been – you know, and it's a it's a really wild story, and it also the the sort of the interesting part is the Nazi element to it, and that a lot of these doctors from Germany were brought over um, through Project Paperclip to experiment on our own soldiers. I just think it's a shocking story of government, it um, is. I guess, abuse against our own servicemen, and it's it's a really captivating story. It's all basically put together with classified footage, so you can actually see the experiments from inside of the oh my facility. Gosh. And well, we I haven't watched yet, but it's, now it's on my list because I gotta go yeah. see it. got Oh, see thank it. you. It's on Discovery Plus. <laughs> awesome! No,
0: that's so great. Um, okay, so in your spare time, <laughs> because you're so busy, <laughs> tell me, um, tell me, you know what's what's next? What's next for Tara? What's coming up next?
1: Well, is there a oh, podcast I mean, I am, in the I'm, works? I am, is there, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. all these to, other threads? Podcast. Yeah. Yeah, I do, have, I do have two podcasts on Jeffrey Epstein that are out there. One's on Ghislaine Maxwell and one's on Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. Um, I did them with Sony Music. I am working on a documentary, another one, but um, it's still a little early days okay. to announce. But yeah, I'm trying to keep my hand in that pot. You know, I used to be a White House correspondent for ABC News. I learned a lot of broadcast skills. Right. So I still try to um, tell stories in different ways. And uh, we'll see if the documentary ends up getting made. <laughs> That's awesome. But it would be really exciting. If it is otherwise, I'm so busy with podcasts. I'm sure you can tell. Absolutely. I, I, I will say my bandwidth is not as, as not as wide as it used to be. So
0: well, but, <laughs> but it's a startup too, right? So you said there's only 10 folks there. Um and so and yep. you write every every day, you and two others, if I'm getting this right from the research that I've done, you write the best and brightest. Is that right? So that's the daily newsletter that you guys put yep. together. Mm-hmm.
1: Comes out four days a week. Yep. It's, okay. I write on Monday and Thursday, Tina Nguyen writes on Tuesday. I'm sorry, Julia Yaffe writes on Tuesday and Tina Nguyen writes on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a story about Washington every day, uh, different writer. I'm twice a week, uh, for four days. And yeah, I think it's a it's a really fun, uh, experiment. We, now we're all on the same, um, newsletter together. So there's even more, but when you join Puck. You know, you get access to all of the newsletters, which is everyone from Dylan Byers, who's just breaking tons of stories on the media. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Wall Street with Bill Cohen, Teddy Schleifer. Um, he writes about the billionaires in and millionaires in Silicon Valley and how they're influencing politics. Yeah. And um, he's, he's, he's got his finger on the pulse. Uh, it's really amazing. And, um, yeah, we've got a great team. We've got Matt Bellany and Bellini and on wall street and we've got um I'm sorry i'm blanking oh my god I'm that's sorry.
0: okay no and you'll think you'll think of it but, but yeah, what i love been, about it is yeah, that yeah, we've you got guys a great, yeah. have figured out how to take <laughs> cover
1: so many different places but also <laughs> like
0: that there's a real you know the, the the one thing that we typically don't get in other coverage in what i see at puck is that there still is a great deal of overlap in all of those sectors of the, of the country, right? I mean, so each and every one of them bumps up against one another. And I love how you, even if it's not necessarily a political story about how it could have some overlap or how, you know, the wall street and Silicon Valley, you know, intersect happens. And so you do a really good job of sort of sharing all of that information in a way that is just, it's tremendous. It's really great. I can't believe there's Thank only you. I can't yeah. believe there's so, only ten of you. It's, it's like <laughs> it's a little mind-boggling. I didn't realize it was quite that small.
1: Yeah, it's really t- it's really small. The startup, you know. So I appreciate your support, Lisa. This is great. Um, but yeah, it's, every day you're just it's a shoestring operation. Okay, so but
0: what do you have to read mean. in order to get prepped for your newsletter? Like, is there a, is are there a couple of things? Like in the morning, if you're not checking in with the others that you work with, is there something like I got to yeah, check out no, with my I buddies? Read, I read
1: the newsletter. I read the morning newsletters. I mean, puck goes out at night, okay. um, but I do read like the digests, like the, the newsletters that kind of do roundups Got of it. other news, and um, everything from like um, Punchbowl. I'll mm-hmm. read. Um, I read Playbook, where I used to work. Mm-hmm. I read um, the Daily Two Hundred Two from the Washington Post. I read Semaphore. Um, I read my Twitter handle scroll. Yeah. Well, I mean, sorry, I read my Twitter feed. Sure. And I also read. Um, what else do I read? I read uh, I mean, I I'm kind of looking for I don't go to home pages as much as I should, but I'm, I'm always kind of like looking I don't know anybody for digest, does. like things yeah. that will I yeah. I look for people I look for kind of things that will tell me what to read. Um, because yeah, there's just so many home pages or so many news outlets, so it's sometimes I, it can be helpful. Just, thank
0: goodness for the curation. You know, so I'm just right? keeping up on
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. The curation helps you, it cuts a lot of time down, right?
0: Totally, absolutely down. is. No, it's terrific. Um, and, and it's really, it's one of those things where like, I'm always curious about, you know, is there somebody that, that others are reading that I'm not checking in on, but it is really, thank goodness. Like, and it's all a little bit different. Everybody's point of view is just a little bit different, but you do get a sense of what the day is going to be like. And then you go, um, and for PR people like myself, um, that's really what we're, we're looking for too, is like, you know, what's driving the day, what's the news, how does it affect our clients and what do we care about there? Um, Tara, as we get yep. close to the end of our conversation, I always ask, um, is there a journalist that you can recommend or someone that's even journalism adjacent for a future episode of the podcast?
1: Oh, um, I would recommend Julie Mason if you haven't already. Oh, heard. I've
0: had her. I've had Are her. Serious? She's a star. Yes. No.
1: Yeah. She's amazing. Okay. I'm going to say her. Um, I think
0: I'm going to tell her you nominated oh, her again. I one of my colleagues.
1: Um, how about Julia Yaffe. I recommend her. Awesome. Does it have to be someone outside of my news organization? No,
0: it doesn't. There are. Listen, it's my podcast. I produce the thing out of my spare bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) There are no rules. (laughs) There are no rules. Um, all right. Well, I, uh, I would recommend
1: her Teddy Schleifer. Yeah. Teddy's really good too. He's got, he's got the LA, I'm not the LA side, the San Francisco insight. Awesome.
0: No. And so, like I said, at the beginning of the, of the show, I'm trying, what I'm trying to do in, in this month is promote all these great new publications here in town. Cause I I'm amazed, right? I mean, there are so many publications. I mean, Politico just this month is celebrating, like I think it's their 16th birthday. Right. So that is amazing. Cause I yep. was still, I would, I was working in this town when it started. Um, but those guys were kind of a new kid on the block in a town that never had new kids on the block. And now all of a sudden There's like this tremendous crop of of a lot of great places that people need to drop into and read. And everyone like Puck is sort of carving out their space and, you know, the others are doing their own to try to make it different and, and, and new. And it's, I think it's really Mm -hmm. kind of interesting to see. So that's kind of what my point is, um, with this month and this series is to try to bring people's attention to some of the newer outlets that are out there that are doing great work. So I am just super, uh, excited about what you're doing and I'm super grateful for your time. And I'm going to tell Julia and Teddy that you nominate them for a future episode.
1: Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it.
0: All right, we'll have to talk again soon, Lisa. You bet. And that's today's Friday Reporter podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing Podcast. We all hold the key to Stop the Killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the
1: Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.